Hello there, lollygaggers. Got another week on tap here. See, right now, I'm betting that Samantha is forgetting that I teased that I was going to start off with Photograph this week. It really wasn't noticeable. I, I, I snuck that in. So I'm betting she's forgetting that I did that. Of course, this is Lollygagging Sports. I am uh, Bo Reed with Samantha Button and Matthew Irby. We're going to talk some NFL. Take another trip back in, uh, in time to some pop culture fun. Uh, but first, uh, Samantha, I wanted to talk to you guys about um, the winter meetings because that's coming up. <clears throat> we have the winter meetings starting on Sunday. Uh, so obviously we will talk more in depth next week when there's actual honest-to-God news <laughs> to chat about. Uh, but I, I just wanted to ask just off the top, do you have any expectations Going in, I mean, obviously last year we didn't have the winter meetings, and and the year before was eh, well, it wasn't all that all that crazy. It's it's back to normalcy this off season. So I'm just curious if you have any expectations for next week. No, not really. Um, it, you know, this goes differently every year, and <laughs> we never really know what's going to happen. So I think you kind of have to base your expectations off of, like, the first major signing um, or the first major trade or what have you, which we probably will get at the winter meetings, which I'm not even going to begin to try to predict what that will be. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I, I have no expectations about this. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Yeah. Irby, how about you? Do you have any expectations? I no, not really. Just more of you know clarifying for I know there's been a, a handful out there wondering why it's been a slow start and compared to last season, and this is different from last season where you know we had this lockout staring us straight in the face, and we had a handful of stuff. I mean, heck, the Rangers had already spent a nearly billion dollars, so uh, totally different. Totally different, so not surprised that it's been a little quiet. It's been some aging player signs, some one-year deals, but yeah, we I, I kind of expect that we might get to see the uh, the wheels roll. Yeah, the Seattle's got to be good for at least one trade during the, uh, the winter meetings, right? They, they can do that for us. Isn't that like the official kickoff? Is is Seattle starts everything off with a trade? Kind of like, like, you know, like the gavel dropping to open to some sort of an official proceeding. The the Mariners have to make a trade for, to open. <laughs> like when they ring the bell to open the stock exchange. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly that. <clears throat> exactly. Because uh, I'm, not, I'm not about to make it as regal as, you know, the torch at the Olympics. No, no. Ringing the bell to the stock exchange, that, that's, that's, a, that's appropriate. All right. Well, hopefully next week we'll have a little bit more baseball uh, to talk about because as of now they have just not given us much of anything um, to to discuss on the show. So let's let's kick it over to the NFL. Um, we, we've got three games we're going to look at tonight, starting with the Commanders at the Giants. Samantha, the, the the Commanders finally put Taylor Heineke back at that starting role. Uh, have they learned their lesson? Is he going to stick this time? Are they are they done with this this tomfoolery of signing guys like Carson Wentz? Well, let's hope so, but honestly, it's Sam Snyder, so you never know. Um, like, I think probably they are not considering Taylor Heineke the long-term solution, which I think is okay. Um, the, the bigger problem was 
that there was actual consideration for benching him in favor of a guy who basically can't do anything right because he was expensive. So it's like, yeah, I, giving Carson Wentz's job back, the, the fact that they even considered that is a problem. Um, I don't think that's going to change again this season. Um, Heineke is sort of one of those guys where, you know, even when he's not necessarily creating a win, he's also not preventing one, which is more than you can say for Carson Wentz. So I, it would be extraordinarily foolish to do anything other than leave Carson Wentz out there. Now, what they do next season, I think, is an entirely different manner. I think they will probably be in the Jimmy Garoppolo conversations, you know, guys like that who would be available out there. And I, I'm not sure I think that makes sense either. Um, it's not that I don't think Jimmy is maybe, for a lot of reasons, better than Heineke. I, I just don't know that it's enough of an upgrade. And, and they love this guy, right? Like, people in Washington love this guy. Like, they were done with this team. Like, the Commanders fans were done with this team. And then they brought Heineke back, and everybody loves him again. They're showing up at games again. People are excited. Like, for better or for worse, like, the fan base is behind this guy. His teammates are behind him, which might be one of the most important things that's happening here. Everybody loves this guy, and he's a positive contributor. So I, I would have to think that even the commanders are smart enough to realize that, like, this is your guy at least for the rest of the season. I mean, they're, they're probably going to make the playoffs at this point. And no one would have said that <laughs> six weeks ago when Carson Wentz was in charge. Yeah, you know, I'm actually I'm glad you brought that up because as of right now, you know, we're, we're going to play that the game I hate to play more than anything in this world. But we're going to play it because it's fun this week. Uh, the if the playoffs started today game, you got the Eagles at the top seed, the NFC, the Cowboys at five, the Giants at six, and the Commanders at seven. The entire NFC East is in the playoffs if they started today. So. I mean, is is this just just riding the 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 Heineke the wave the Heineke wave? Can we start calling it that? By the way, the Heineke wave. You know, we said all this wave talk over the last handful of months. Can we call it the Heineke wave? I'm asking for a friend. I'm gonna I'm a no on that. I think um, mostly <laughs> because I don't get what Heineke has to do with the wave. Also, I hate the wave. Um, but you know, if you really want that, we can do that for you. Um, but, but yes, yes. I mean, yeah, ride the the Heineke wave. I suppose now I'm going to force the all to say <laughs> into the postseason. Um, I mean, I, I'm not even sure that I think they end up the last seed. I mean, right now, and we get into this, like, you know, this this right here might be the last playoff spot between these two because the, the Giants are struggling and then the Commanders are kind of coming on, which is interesting. Mm -hmm. um, and, and they may both make it, but the odds say, no, we're not getting an entire division in the postseason. And right now it looks more like the Giants would be the odd man than the Commanders. No, it does. You know, mm -hmm. So we'll see what happens. But this is a very important game uh, with a lot of playoff implications. Yeah, you know, I, I, I just for once I would like to see an entire division in the playoffs. I don't know why I want that. Maybe it's just got Team Chaos. I don't know. Uh, but I do agree with you. I, I think that the Commanders are going to end up passing the Giants. Irby, how about you? Where, how are you feeling here with with Mr. Heineke and what they what the excuse me the Commanders have done since his return to the starting nine? I I mean it's it's pure excitement. Yes, I'm very excited for what they're doing. I'm I'm not going to you know sit here and get give you a ton of credit for doing your job and doing the right thing. I mean this, I feel like this is kind of like when. We, you know, I, I Samantha, you can test this too. When we tell our kids to do something, you know, like their chores, and they do it, it's like, okay, you don't get credit for doing your job. 
like Washington finally figured this out. Yeah, and that's it's exactly not, the right analogy. It's you don't get credit for like eating your dinner. You're supposed yeah. to eat your dinner. Like, <laughs> look, I clean the plate. Yeah. Great, that's what you're supposed to do. Like, it's not an achievement, pal. <laughs> yeah, that's perfect. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it's it's great that 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 Washington has figured it out and realized that yeah, we need to go with this guy. And I mean, I know what is it? Um, Carson Wentz was even asked about it this week, and his only response was, "I get it." Well, okay. <laughs> Billions of dollars for, I get it. I'm like, all right, whatever. I mean, as long as we're doing the right thing. So um, the the fun things that, that happen now is is, is what happens next. Oh, two things, actually, I'll, I'll comment on. One, uh, the Heineke way, you know, if that's what you want to go with, awesome, great. I would prefer that we just drop commanders and go back to football team. Commanders is led by Carson Wentz. Football team is led by Co-sign. Heineke. Co-sign, yeah. 100% agree. And no, there's no way that happening, but I don't care. That's what we want to happen. We want we want this. So um, the other one is is I Bo for, for your chaos. I'm gonna feed your chaos. Ooh, okay. Okay. Um yeah, I I too am looking at this and going, there's a the the bigger threat to not getting the entire NFC East in there is the Giants not football team. Um, and the good thing is, is the team chasing is really, honestly, the only, I don't know, I'm going to give you two teams I think can actually catch them. Seattle, obviously, sitting only a game behind New York and a half game behind Washington, is right there. So Seattle needs to be considered. They're, they're, this point of the season, with, with six games remaining on their schedule, they, they, they are going to be considered. After that, look, the next two teams, Atlanta and Detroit, no, no, I don't see them catch it's Green Bay, sure. Green Bay can probably has enough weapons. I don't see it happening. So we're talking Seattle. So the Seattle Seahawks, the 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 the, the Seattle Seahawks are your biggest threat to not getting all these teams in. Um, but we're gonna hit a big part here for that because football team and the Giants, or, or at least this is from football team standpoint. The football team's next two games are the Giants. The Giants have football team, another game, and then the football team again. But the Washington football team have a bye in between playing the Giants. So thanks again, schedule makers. But these two have not played. They're about to play two back-to-back in three weeks, twice in three weeks. So that will be a big deciding factor of who's going to be almost in the playoffs. As crazy as that sounds, I know it won't be, but there's a real good chance that somebody here can solidify a playoff spot in these next three weeks. And the other one might be out. I, I that's, that's what's going to be fun over the next three weeks with these two teams. Will, will it though? I mean, obviously if one sweeps, yeah, but Smith, this has split written all over it, doesn't it? When you, when you play two out of three weeks like this. Oh, I would imagine so, especially for these teams and where they're at. I mean, it just, I, to me, the only determining factor there is if the giants are just in a steady decline and you realize, aha, it was luck all along. Um, they just ran out of gas. Then sure, theoretically, you can football team could take both. Otherwise, yeah, I would expect a split. Well, let's talk about the matchup here. Uh, we, we talked a little bit last week about the Giants' offense and, and what they could do against the Cowboys on Thanksgiving Day. You know, it wasn't as dominating of a game as, as Dallas had the week before, but you know, the, the Giants were able to still do some things, move some things on the football. Where, what should we expect differently here? 
now that they're facing the commander's defense? What should we... Should expect differently? Like, like they're... Based off of our conversation last week was Giants offense versus the Cowboys defense. Now it's Giants offense and the Commanders defense. What sticks out to you about the Commanders that's different than Dallas? That the oh, well, I don't – I mean, I don't know that it alters your game plan if you're the Giants. For one thing, the Giants' game plan last week was apparently to run out the clock despite the fact that they were behind. And they didn't even succeed in doing that. Like, but they looked like what they were playing for was to win the time of possession battle, which is a really bizarre thing to do when you are down 15 points. So that was strange. Um, and, and they couldn't even do it successfully. You know, it's not like they were moving the ball on the ground and you're like, you guys, this is too slow. I don't think you understand this is too slow. They weren't doing anything at all. So I, I don't know that the game plan would necessarily be any different here. You are facing a, a defense that's not quite as good, obviously, as Banner's defense is mm-hmm. okay. But the problem is more that the Giants, like, I mean, kind of just, you know, again, we talked about the luck factor with them. Cannot, you know, Saquon, they've clearly determined, is not a guy who can kind of carry the load for them. And most of their receivers are injured. So that, you know, Daniel Jones running the ball, which is probably the game plan again. And, you know, certainly I think the Dallas defense is a little bit more equipped to stop that than the football team defense. The football team defense is pretty good as well in that regard. So I don't know that there's like a better game plan for the Giants other than like stop playing like you are up 20 points and you just want to run out the clock when you're losing. Like that, that maybe don't do that. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you make it sound so easy. Other oh, than that, I mean, oh, it's, it is some, <laughs> it, it's weird. And I, and I like what Brian Dable has done up to this point in terms of in-game management. The last week was a little bit of a head scratcher. And he's just like, what are you guys doing? Like, you, you understand this isn't working, right? Like, this has never worked in the history of ever because you're going to run out of time, and also you're not even performing it well. So let's hope they don't do that again. I did get a kick out of the uh, out of the, the announcing crew. Eight seconds left. There's still a chance. Did you watch the second half? I don't think so. Irby, how about you? What are your thoughts here on the commander's defense, excuse me, football team's defense against the Giants? Oh, very excited what football teams defense can do, especially against – and, Samantha, I can actually answer it for you. Uh, the Giants just got caught up in World Cup fever, so that's all they were doing. They were just passing the ball back and forth amongst their uh, their backers there. So they just got caught up in World Cup fever and and played a similar approach. Didn't work. But, uh, yeah. Washington, however, yes, I, I love what this defense – and this defense is about to get another weapon back, too. Mr. Chase Young may be uh, – Maybe on the field here this week. We we hope that it was last week didn't happen. It sounds possible. Still gonna wait till Sunday to find out. But I mean, it's a nice little boost of a. I I I, I like this 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 football team defense. It is not going to be a stellar defense, but it's something that can keep you in games. And that and the combination this this kind of developing one two punch of running backs that they have and Heineke as a. I mean, Samantha, as you say, he's not a quarterback necessarily that's going to go out and be the difference maker and win you the game, but he's definitely not going to lose the game for you. So that that combination of these things, I, I, I really like where this football team is headed. Samantha, anything you want to add to that before we pick it? Nope, let's pick them. All right, who do you got? Commander uh, or Giants? 
neither. I'm picking football team. Oh, uh, <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> we're, we're calling them football team. They earned it back. They earned it back. Taylor Heineke earned it back. Um, but yeah, I just think this is one of those cases if one team is going in one direction, one team is going in the other, and ultimately they may very well end up splitting these. But right now, the commanders look like they're the team driving the bus, and the Giants look like they're starting to struggle. Um, so I'm going to take the commanders. Irby, how about you? I, I love the direction that, that that football team is going right now. They've won six of their last seven. It's the only team in the NFL has won six of their last seven. It's fantastic. So, yeah, keep it up, Washington. I'm also going to take a football team. Uh, I think the Giants are, in fact, turning into a pumpkin. So I'm going to take the, uh, the Washington football team, also known as the Commanders. See, I can't say that either. That doesn't sound right either. I'm not doing that either. Football team. All right, next on the docket, the Titans are in Philly to play the Eagles. Uh, Samantha, this is a game that is very intriguing for me because on paper, maybe the Eagles should be able to handle the Titans, maybe. But this screams like one of those tweener games, right? One of those one of those sneaky guys that could come up and, and bite a 9-1, 10-1 team right in the ass. That's what this feels like. And you look at how tight that NFC East race is between the Cowboys and the Eagles, a loss, a stumble here with another head-to-head matchup with Dallas down the road could cost them everything they've worked for so up to this point of the season. It could cost them the top seed. It could, it could cost them the NFC East down the line. Yeah, I mean, I certainly agree with the first half of that. And then I think that, yeah, this is, one of those sneaky one team is definitely better than the other, but that doesn't mean they're immune from losing to them um, is the best way I can think of to put it because the Titans are a good team too. And they're also a team that I think is built in a way that will give the Eagles problems. And we've seen some flashes of trouble for the Eagles. I mean, they gave up a lot of points to Green Bay a week ago and Green Bay is really bad and they won the game. And in the end, that's all that matters. But stuff like that makes me wonder because I thought, you know, like I, the Titans, not great at putting putting points on the board, but they're not going to give up 40-some points to the Eagles either. Right. So, you know, if this gets into a close contest, then, I mean, you know, we've obviously had to say that we had to take back a lot of the things we said about Nick Sirianni when we all thought he was stupid because he gave those terrible press conferences when he first got hired. And he's clearly <laughs> a very good coach. Like, you know who's, in my opinion, probably the best coach in the NFL? Mike Vrabel. Because, like, the Titans are like, here's a box of garbage. We would like you to tank. And Mike Ray was like, nah, I'm going to win 12 games and win my division. <laughs> um, so tremendously, there's nobody better at like making like lemonade out of like a bag of garbage. So if it comes down to it, I think that's going to matter. Um, as to the other part of this, I still think the Eagles are probably the best team in this division, and none of us trust Dallas to keep it together. I mean, if Dallas going to playoffs, they're a good team, of course, but they also just screw stuff up in like weird situations where they shouldn't. And the Eagles, I think, so far have been more consistent in that regard. So I doubt losing this game to the Titans is ultimately going to cost the Eagles the division crown. I, I still think they're going to come out on top of that. But 
it is sort of one of those games where you say, okay, like, if this team goes out there and just kind of runs over the Titans, then you think, all right, you know what? Like, they just find ways to win, and sometimes it looks a little sloppy like it did against Green Bay, and, and sometimes it looks very commanding, but they just come out of it with wins. Um, you know, they and San Francisco are the two teams that I think we're looking at at this point and saying, you know what? Like, they're, just, they're getting it done one way or the other, and the roster talent is incredible compared to the competition. So... That's, I, I think, where I'm at on that. But, yeah, I do think they need to be careful because the loss here probably doesn't necessarily mean you don't win the division, but it does mean something else in terms of how beatable you are and what the blueprint is for that. Irby, how about you? Same uh, same question. I'm very intrigued by this matchup. Um, crazy to be sitting here and looking at a 10-1 and Eagles team is in more of a threat of losing their division lead than the Titans, but that is the case because the Titans' closest competition is 4-7-1. and one. <laughs> And that's an Indianapolis team that the Eagles beat a couple weeks ago, but gave them a good run for their money. It was a 17-16 game. I have a feeling we're in for something similar here. This is not going to be, I feel like that, that Green Bay-Philadelphia game is your outlier there of, you know, an Ivy League basketball score. But this is going to be a closer game. This is going to be a, a, a down to the something that, you know, the Titans have been doing a lot of lately, of these, these one-possession games where, you know, barely getting 20 points. Um, and, and, and that's the feeling I have with this. And so there's where I, I am excited here, the, the running ability of the Eagles rushing game, which is third in the league in yards rushed, and the Titans, who's third best at preventing yards, rush. So that that will be a fun little chess match between these coaches, between these coordinators, between these offense and this defense. That I think it's going to be a huge factor uh, deciding this Philadelphia Tennessee game because it's I, I, I low scoring game. Like like whatever the over under is, take the under. Um, I, this is this is low scoring, and it's going to come down to who makes that. Bo, as you love it, who who, who wins that yard of real estate? Mm-hmm. I do love that yard of real estate. It's my favorite my favorite part about football. Honestly, I love that battle. Uh, Samantha, let's, let's, let's switch over to Vrabel because you mentioned, mentioned uh, <clears throat> how good of a job he has done with Tennessee. What do you think it is? Because like, like, he's obviously flies under the radar. Um, what do you think it is about him? Is, is it X's and O's? Is it game planning? Is it getting more out of his players than other coaches do? What... If you could pinpoint something, like, what would it be? Well, part of it is, I think, him. Like, I mean, this is the guy who would say, what, what's the rating on the show? Am I allowed to say the exact quote here? Yes. Can, can I say it? Yes. He said, when somebody asked him what he would do to win a Super Bowl, he said, I would cut my own dick off, which is just a tremendously <laughs> great quote. Um, and it's very Dan Campbell-esque in the sense that, like, yeah, people will run to a wall for you if you're that kind of guy. And he strikes me as somebody who is very good at managing that balance between players wanting to fight for you but not being, like, their best friend. So that's part of it, certainly. Um, but, you know, he's also off the Belichick tree. He's, I mean, I think there's a great argument that he is the most successful branch to ever come off of the mm-hmm. Belichick tree as a head coach, um, which, I mean, let's give him credit for that. You know, certainly I think part of the problem with the Belichick tree, as we have discussed in the past, is that everybody has a very highly specific role and head coach is a totally different kind of job. You can be a wonderful coordinator and not be great at head coaching. And Mike Vrabel had some intangibles there that had nothing to do with Bill Belichick, 
that allowed him to succeed in that capacity. And that is all credit to Mike Rabel. But as far as the Belichick stuff goes, he's following the model that Belichick uses where essentially you don't have to have the best players to succeed if you are smart enough to plan to use the guys you do have to the best of their ability. Because this is the thing. This is the NFL. Everybody's really good. Even like the worst guy is really, really good at football. So like the worst player in the league is a tremendously good football player. So if you can get more out of guys and whether that means you're getting guys who are smarter and who make better decisions on the field, or you're just really, really good at drawing up a playbook and drawing up schemes to meet the best that your players have to offer, which is really, really hard to do. And it's part of why I respect Brabel so much more than like these like scheme lords, um, like McVay and Shanahan, who, who I also think are very good coaches, but you know they get all the ink. And it's Brable who has done the most with the least. And to me, that's the greatest show of good. It's why Bill Belichick is the best head coach who has ever been in the NFL, mm-hmm. because he got so much out of so little. And that's what Brable's doing too. And to me, that takes a lot more talent than a team where your GM mortgages your first round picks every year to win now and you stand there and basically don't screw it up. And I, I know it sounds like I'm taking shots at Sean McVay, but what I'm really trying to do is say that I think Mike Rabel has a lot harder job, and that counts for more to me. You could also do both at the same time. It's fine. Yeah, well, right now nobody would care if I skewered Sean McVay, but I feel a little bit bad about it because I'm not saying he's a bad head coach at all. I'm just saying that I think it is more difficult to do it the way that Rabel <laughs> has had to do it. So <laughs> Nice. <laughs> okay, Irby, anything you want to add to that? Uh, th- though I wouldn't follow in the comments that Coach Vrabel made and what he would do for a win, I do like a coach like this and, and and feel the exact same way of how I would play for coaches like these. And then it's ones that I and, – and this is no shocker being, you know, former athletes, and I want to make it seem like any of us were that close to going pro, but to me, I think it's part of the reason why we love coaches like him and Coach Campbell where it is those guys like, no, they, they understand what you go through as the athlete and, and you want to perform better. You want to do the extra, you want to do those little things. And I know these are professional athletes and they're, they're being paid significant amounts of money to do it, but it really does come down to the, the trust. And, and this only almost goes back to remember the Titans. It's the, it's the trust with the person next to you. And that's what coaches like coach Vrabel bring to the equation. I mean, you, talked about at the beginning where, you know, he was handed a team and said, we need to tank and, and and get high draft picks. And he is two wins away from securing his fifth winning season in five seasons. He has not had a losing season in his five years as a head coach at Tennessee. That's just remarkable to me. When you look at the teams he's had, that's like Smith. It's like you said, doing, doing, doing the most with the least. Well, and they're trying to tank. They were actively trying to tank. They yeah. were dumping salary and trying to get picks, which, like, okay, it made sense. But, like, this guy's like, no. Oh, <laughs> that, which is tremendous. And, and Irby, you're right. I, I think as, like, you know, you and I both have experience at the college-level sports. And like you said, we're not – either one of us was going pro. Um, not even close. But I, I do think – you know, if you get far enough in sports, you start to appreciate that there's a lot more to it than just what is the shiniest object when it comes to coaching. And a guy like that, that's the guy you're thinking about when you're dead tired and you want to quit. And 
you no longer have the personal motivation to do it for like your own glory, you don't want to let that guy down. Like, I don't know if I would care about letting Sean McVay down. I, I don't know that I would actively want to let him down. It's not like Urban Meyer where you're like, I want to screw this up. So you get fired. But like, because I hate you. But like, I can't imagine like being in the last hundred meters of like a five, you know, a 5K in cross country when like you're sick and you're injured and it's the end of the season. Like, I'm not pushing through to pass three runners for Sean McVay. But you better believe I'd do it for my friend. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's pick this one then. Titans are at the Eagles. Samantha, who do you have? Oh, this is so tough. This is a tough is one. So yeah. tough. Oh man, um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna take the Titans. I don't think this is a death sentence. Everyone will panic, and it's not. The Eagles will be fine. But I think this is gonna be one of those low-scoring affairs that the Titans tend to do very well when they get into one. So I'm gonna take the Titans for the upset. Irby, how about you? I've got the same. I actually have Tennessee. Um, the yeah. tough week last week against yeah. Cincinnati is how I'm looking at this. You know, I know Philadelphia found a way to get the win against Indianapolis, um, but this is I, I, Tennessee is better. Tennessee's defense is performing right now. Yeah, I, I the, the frustration of losing that game to Cincinnati last week, I think, is a little bit extra motivation. So yeah, let's. Let's take, let's, yeah, Tennessee's going to find a way to pull this one out. I am also taking the Titans. For the reasons you guys have said, but I also, I, I just, it's, I, I guess I'm going with my gut. It's the best way of summing this up. Like, like, yeah, I, it's just, yeah. mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's like the Eagles, like, and this is, look, this is nothing against the Eagles, win or lose here. You know, the Eagles are still very much a threat in the NFC, but there's a lot of teams that are a threat in the NFC. So, because it's the NFC and it's wide open. Uh, it's, well, it's, a, it's the gut pick. You're right. You're absolutely right about yeah. that. Yeah. Sometimes somebody, sometimes you feel a win, you know, like this has happened with football team a lot of times. You feel the win. So yeah, I'm with you. Go on my gut on that one. Okay. Uh, one more before we hop into the time capsule. Uh, Dolphins are at the 49ers. Uh, Samantha, this one is, it's really interesting to me. Um, you've got... The 8-3 Dolphins, who are at the top of the AFC East, they're, the, they're actually the two-seed right now in the AFC. you got the, the 49ers out, out west. They're 7-4. They're leading the NFC West. Uh, let's talk about these coaches, first of all, because you, you get McDaniel against Shanahan. Uh, I believe this is the first time for this, right? Yeah, because this is McDaniel's first year. Yeah. Right. Okay, so any, any early thoughts on this? Any expectations you have uh, for this matchup? Well, I mean, I'll start by saying that, like, yes, we have to discuss it, but, you know, it's, it's overblown. Um, <laughs> the, the matchup between former assistant and coaches is always overblown, right? It's, it's not nearly as much of a deciding factor as, as we all want it to be. <laughs> Some sort of grudge, you know, has he passed, has he students have passed the master? Like, uh, it, regardless of who it, that won't necessarily be why someone wins or loses this game, but it is interesting. Um, especially because they both come from the same side as the ball. They're both offensive guys. So McDaniel learned directly from Shanahan. So I think it's interesting in that capacity. I also think it's interesting because on paper, the Dolphins are the better team, but they're not, they're not the better team in my opinion. And maybe I'm right. just wrong about that. But like, I think the 49ers have one of the most talented rosters in the entire league, certainly better than Miami. 
I also think they are better at finding ways to win. But I think it's going to be interesting because they play a very, very, like, dull, grinded-out brand of football, and the Dolphins are playing flash. And yet it's kind of the same offensive strategy, which is bizarre to see it manifesting in such a different way. Um, and certainly a lot of that is weapons, you know, Jimmy, <laughs> Jimmy and Debo and Christian McGavry are a very, very different animal from, you know, Tua and Waddle and uh, Tyreek Hill, certainly. So, you know, both of these guys, I think, are, are very smartly using their toys correctly. But it's just bizarre to see two people who are essentially of a mind offensively in terms of how you would drop a game plan. And yet they're doing something very, very different because of what they have to work with. I don't know, Irby. It sounds like we're going to have a one-yarder real estate game. They both both sides have some toys. Uh, Samantha just just none of which are part of the one yard of real estate that I mentioned. No, no, that's right. That that's right. But they 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 they're they're both they they both have all kinds of offensive weapons. Whichever line has the better day might be where this thing tilts. That's all I'm saying. Okay, I will let. Well, I'll let you explain that. Because, okay, if you say so. Uh, I'll, I'll let you explain yourself before I argue with you. Um, <laughs> Irby, how about you? Anything you want to add here? Yeah, don't bring me in y'all's argument. Golly, no. I, it's not. Um, so if it is the one yard of real estate, the the that will be an intriguing thing because Miami, I know, has been trying to establish a running game. They've got two former 49ers, as in last year and this year, with Jeff Wilson Jr. and Raheem Mostert. Uh, Wilson Jr. is definitely going to have a chip on his shoulder since he was basically traded because they added Christian McCaffrey. But there are concerns with both tackles for the Dolphins, which is not great news going into a matchup like this with the edge rush that San Francisco does. San Francisco loves to do just the four-man rush. like They, they love to just stick the four. And so... That's how this game is going to be. Is it's not as much as the running. I think it's if Tua's got the time. If Tua's got the time for some quick passes, and there's where Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle can definitely, you know, be be successful, and they can thrive in that. And San Francisco's shown issues with that. That's how Miami's going to go about business: is is quick passes, and not let that pressure from San Francisco be any kind of factor. Whereas the Niners, like you said, Smith, I mean, this is going to be. A, a grind it out kind of game, and you know, we're talking about the defense, but on the offensive side as well. Whether it's running, whether it's short passing. I mean, I I, I say this as a 49er fan, and then and I love these things when we get into when we, we we take out the analytical side and we kind of jump in the emotional side. To me, emotionally, it feels like the 49ers offense doesn't care about first and second down, and they immediately go to third down. And they convert a lot of those third downs. I know that when they move down the field, they are doing it a lot on first and second down. But from a fan standpoint, it feels like we're in third and eight for the entire freaking game. And and, and my blood pressure is in good shape right now, but not on Sundays later. I mean, even that game last Sunday against New Orleans, it felt like all the time, like, okay, we're in third. Come on, guys, we're only at 13. And I know you pitched a shutout, which is great, so... Yeah, if it comes down to that that that, that one yard of real estate, it will be San Francisco uh, with an advantage. But but Miami, you know th- that short passes. You you watch that outside that one yard, man. Those little three four yard little dump passes I, I, that favors Miami over San Francisco's secondary. Samantha, anything you want to add to that? 
Well, okay. So, Irby, I'm curious because you're you're going to know this better than anyone else here. But like, I know like the 49ers have been like really really good in nickel, which I think is something that's going to help them quite specifically in this game in this matchup. So, but what are you guys running like when you're in zone? Are you running like a cover three or like what what is where are they coming from the majority of the time? Because I'm curious if they're going to have to move away from what they do typically or what they favor um, in order to deal with what Miami is able to do downfield. I mean, like, because Miami does go over the middle occasionally, like, what are you, are you going to try to go, like, cover to robber? Like, how do you handle that? Like, what is the, the 49ers, what do they do typically? Um yeah, so it's like I talked about. Yeah, that that, that four man rush and dropping all all, all seven. I, San Francisco, it seems like it, it it's they love that. And ah, man, and I'm I'm going through. I'm trying to you know how you do that. You try to like run through game film in your head. You can't affect it. Well, I'm well, trying to go through all that film. Mostly like, zone, not man. Yes, right? yes, yeah. So, it's, it's a okay. zone. You know, and and. That will be interesting because San Francisco really does have a, a very solid linebacker core. And if Miami wants to do those little three, four-yard dump passes, this game's going to come down to Warner, Greenlaw, and Al-Shahir. And, I, I, again, if I'm betting on, I, sure, I got no problem putting Fred Warner as the X-factor and the difference maker and, and, and some of the hits that Greenlaw does. You know, it's, that can make a difference. What will intrigue me here is the San Francisco's mixing up. Like they don't blitz a lot. They, they like I said, it's like the four man. But are we going to see some chances here where, not necessarily Bosa, but but a Minahue or or, or Samson Nabeku drop back and, and almost add in like a three man rush and add in one more defender there that makes Tua throw the ball down the field. That that's okay, what I, I want to see. Uh, yeah, I okay. That's kind of what I was wondering if they would be willing to do as well, because then you don't have to bring the safety up, because you kind of need him yes. downfield, given the way that Miami operates. So it would be interesting to me, yeah, if they would drop one more guy back to deal with And that's what, I, I think it will be a big difference, because like you said about safety, you know, Hufanga is proving himself to be a, a, a really underrated, good safety. Um, try, having Troy Palomalu train you personally in the offseason usually kind of helps. The situation, yeah. um, but he is that is his thing is sitting back just like Palomalo did and, and not coming right. up. And so he needs to stay back. And so, yeah, this is I, I and and one more thing that could help San Francisco is we saw like at practice today. Eric Armstead was at practice and practiced the entire day. You know, nothing against <laughs> Hassan Ridgeway or, or, or T Y McGill, but they're no Eric Armstead. And if you've got Eric Armstead as well with Bosa on that front line, you can afford to drop someone else and almost yeah. rush three and have eight back and let Miami have those little three, four yards and, 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 and basically force them into a game where they're having to live off three, four, five yards. And at that point, you're having to have a completion percentage that's <laughs> more, more we're talking 80, 85% to be effective. Oh, yeah. Well, and the other thing is most of, like, the yak for Miami is coming downfield, not in the middle of the field. So, sure, let them have the three-yard pass. That's probably not where they're going to pick up the extra. They're going to be picking up the extra on, like, sale routes and stuff. So, like, that's, yeah, that makes a ton of sense to me. Like, beat us over the middle. Beat us in a short game. Absolutely. Yes. Okay. All right, you guys ready to pick this one? Yep. 
Actually, hang on, time out. Time out, time out. One, one more question, though. Um, and, Irby, we'll start with you on this one because you, you are the, the one that follows the 49ers. Uh, do you want to talk at all about how they are a completely different team since they since they acquired McCaffrey? Now, I know like, we, we, we had some issues. The problems we had were, is it worth giving up the draft picks they gave up? That, that was really the concern we had. There's no question that, that the that the player coming to San Francisco is obviously going to be a big, big time piece. But they really have, Irby. They they've been a completely different team since before they got since before they made the McCaffrey trade. Oh yeah, this is this is definitely a different team. So look, this, this is where I I love this in in, in sports, and and we've had five weeks, and and it's really more like four weeks. I know the first week that McCaffrey was there it was a two, three days, and then he's on the field with Kansas City. Um, a game in San Francisco that the Niners were embarrassed. You know, they, they were embarrassed on their own field. Kansas City <laughs> ran all up and down and did anything and everything they wanted. Since then, it's, yeah, it is a different Niners team. I mean, shoot, since that game, the 49er defense hasn't even allowed a point in the second half. It's going to come to an end at some point, but that really does help you get on a four-game winning streak. I This is a Niners team, and we, we talked Earlier, when we when we were talking about Tennessee, when we we're talking about Detroit, of how players play for coaches. Well, here's an example of playing for your front office or your GM. I, I, and it's not that the team is playing for John Lynch, but when you're rewarded with pieces like Christian McCaffrey, it's it it's one more thing in that locker room, and it, and it gets you past the little things, and you feel like yes, we're unstoppable. You know, we can sit here and go through a combination of the Niners are getting healthy. You know, I mean, I know Jimmy G was the quarterback for the last couple of years, but he was not expected to be the quarterback at all. It took a little while for him to get back into, okay, okay, everybody get on the same page. That doesn't happen right away. It took a little time. And that's what you'd see with successful teams. I mean, we could look back at the Niners and go, oh, my gosh, this team lost to the Bears, the Broncos, and the Falcons. Like, ugh. They're all road losses, but still, those are not good losses. But they happened early enough in the season, and teams work through these. And Miami's had a handful like that as well that you work through. And so, yeah, I think San Francisco's in a position now where you believe, you know, it's you you, you believe things are going to work out. That you have the offensive weapons, you have the weapons, you have the defensive capabilities, and and it's in the locker room, it's in film room, it's on the field, it's. At practice, it's it's things like that. You're fully trusting the man next to you, and, and you feel like, okay, you know, I'm not team of destiny or anything like that. But this is the kind of thing um, that I just I, I love when teams do this, and we talk about this a lot in baseball. Um, when they, when they, they trade deadline and they go out and get that piece in the locker room, suddenly it's like, oh, we're unstoppable now. And we saw that from San Francisco when you added Christian McCaffrey. And weirdly enough, I, I know this is crazy stuff that I'm going to break this, you know, wide open for everybody in the states of Carolina. Um, <laughs> when you use Christian McCaffrey the correct way, good things happen. Odd, I know. That's just crazy talk. I don't know. I don't know where you're going, Samantha. Anything you want to add there? <laughs> sure. I, I think this is also maybe the right time to talk about. Yes, and, and I agree with everything you say, Irby, um, about McCaffrey, and I specifically kind of want to talk, expand upon your point where you're talking about how, like, when your front office goes out and gets you a guy and signals that they believe in the rest of you, that matters. 
But you know when else? The the other thing that, that really caused things to change for this team was when Jimmy Garoppolo got back on the field. And nothing against Trey Lance, but Jimmy, like, I, it is very, very rare to see an entire team get behind a quarterback that strongly. Like, I, I think people, because they have played on sports teams at a lower level uh, where everybody knows everybody, thinks that, like, everybody on an NFL roster is, like, friends, and they all know each other, and they all get along. Like, the defensive guys and quarterbacks, like, they don't really mix very often. They go to separate meetings, they have separate agendas at practice, and most players, other than offensive linemen and a handful of receivers, don't really like the quarterback very much. They think that they are overpaid, they think that they get too much credit, they think that they don't have to hold enough accountability. This team, the entire roster, defensive guys, everybody, is very, very clearly behind Jimmy. The things they say about him are extremely unusual for players who are not on an offensive line or a favorite target receiver. So I think that sort of bears mention here as well as another reason why things have really changed for this team. And yes, absolutely, bringing in McCaffrey was a signal, hey, we believe in you, but putting Jimmy back out there really changed the way the rest of that roster was playing because that's their guy and they're behind him. All right, so now let's pick it. <laughs> Dolphins, Niners, Smith, who do you have? Well, I too believe in Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, <laughs> not, be, not because I think he is going to be the reason that they win this game, but because I, I think he is the, the straw that serves the drink uh, for the 49ers, and McCaffrey is sort of the, the guy who's going to make things happen more um, in the moment, and, and I just think they're the better team. So, And I, I think what Miami does is something that what Miami does well is something that San Francisco is uniquely positioned to stop. So, yeah, I'm thinking the 49ers here. Irby, how about you? I man, back in mid-October when the when the deal happened, you know, we talked about all the the draft picks lost and all that. I said, no, I will pay the piper at some point. I'm choosing joy. I'm choosing excitement, and I was Just excited about McCrafty, right. <laughs> and I and I'm going to continue to choose joy and and what they're building. I'm not picking against this Niners team. It is, it is, a a test on my heart during game days, but it's worth it because it is. This is a fun team to watch. Just thinking of his couch cardio. That's all it is. It's your blood pumping while you're sitting on the couch. Fantastic. Right, yeah, because I use my recliner up and down to do crunches too. See, yeah, that there you sense. go. See, there's all kinds yeah. of different ways to spin this into a workout, man. It's fine. Uh, I am also taking uh, the 49ers, um, and it's it's not unlike the last the last one we picked. This really is about the 49ers being better than the Dolphins. I think they're on paper. I think they're going to be better on on Sunday. 49ers. All right. Samantha, it is time to hop into our time capsule. Where are you taking us to tonight? So I'm glad we finished with the 49ers there because the 49ers are also the subject of tonight's time capsule segment. And this time around, we're talking about not the last time somebody did something, but the first time somebody did something. Um, and so we're going to 1995 when the San Francisco 49ers won the Super Bowl over the then San Diego Chargers, 49 to 26. And San Francisco became the first team to win five Super Bowls. Now that feat has been repeated since then, but San Francisco got there first. 
So back to 1995 we go. Let's talk a little bit about that game and other things going on in sports first. Um, who would like to tell me who the MVP of this game was? Anybody? Of the, the Super Bowl game? That yeah. one? Yeah. Oh. 1995 Super Bowl. So keep in mind this is the 1994 season. The right, Super Bowl right. would have taken place in 1995. So, would that have been Steve Young? That's what I'm thinking. Yes, sir. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Uh-huh. It is, in fact, Steve Young. Fun fact, San Francisco was favored by 18 and a half in this game. Yikes. <laughs> if, I, if I remember right, didn't the Niners score basically, like, right off the bat? Like, like I, three plays into the game? So, yeah. It was like, this is definitely one of those Super Bowls that was like, I remember this game as being kind of, like, over in the first quarter. Um, even though... It wasn't, but you kind of knew it was. Uh, <laughs> so, yes, um, huge win for San Francisco. First team to get the five Super Bowls. Um, interesting year. Kathy Lee Gifford sang the national anthem wow. that year. Um, and Tony Bennett, Patti LaBelle, and the Miami Sound Machine. Now, what those elements were doing together is weird. <laughs> uh, but that was the halftime act. And the Super Bowl, if you didn't guess, was in Miami that year. So, uh, around sports, um, who wants to tell me what happened in the World Series that year? Be nice. Ooh. To me. <laughs> Ooh. I, I don't know how to be nice about this. I, I, I don't. Just say it very matter-of-factly and succinctly. In 19, it was the, the Cleveland Indians won the American League pennant. They did. Truth. That's a good way to is, put it. That That's a good way story. to put it. Yes. It's and the, the Atlanta Braves won the World Series. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. But Cleveland won the American League pennant. That's very, very good, Irby. Very good. Uh, <laughs> uh, anybody? NBA Finals. Anybody? Anybody? Oh, by the way, uh, bonus points if anybody can name the MVP uh, in the World Series that year. Oh, it's I, a pitcher. I, I don't like, know. like I want to say Dion, but I, I know it's not that. <laughs> I want to say Tom Glavin. Was it Glavin? Yeah, good job, Bo. Ooh. Tom Glavin. Very good. Stop. Very good. And then how about the NBA Finals in 1995? Anybody know who was there? 1995. That, yeah. was, that was the second. Was that the second in a row for Houston? Yes. Okay. Good. Uh, and who'd they beat? Uh, who did they beat? That's a very good question. Um I can't remember. Oh wait, yes I can. Yes, yes I can. Was that the, was that the year they beat Orlando? Yes. Ooh. Oh, yes. oh. Yes. Good job. I remember. Right. I, I was the only kid in Texas rocking the Shaq jersey, the Shaq Magic jersey. Everybody else had those stupid Rockets jerseys on. Yeah, Hakeem Olajuwon. Yeah, who does, by the way, go on to be the MVP of the series? Hold on. Well. Sure. I just want to know I was not wearing a Houston jersey, period. <laughs> okay, most everybody else. Thank Put you. that on yeah, record. No, 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 no. I, I want for the record, so noted for the record, RB. Uh, <laughs> that was also, so, what was that magic player that missed all those free throws in game one that really just kind of set there? Was that Tim Anderson? Was it hit? I mean, Anthony Hardaway. Penny, Penny, Penny Hardaway yeah, was Penny, on that Penny team. Hardaway. Penny Hardaway was on that team. That, that's probably yeah. who it was. Um, all right, and uh, national title in 1995. Anybody? I don't know why. There's like two. There's only two choices basically. So pick one. 1995. Um, 
don't know why I want to say Florida State. I have no idea why. It's the other that. one. Yeah, Bo, it's the other it's one. Florida. The other, that was the Florida game. It's the other one. Um. <laughs> right State, wrong college. Story of my life. No, not, no, no, not right State. No, no. It's the other team. What I was saying is it's the other team that I, I think people would consider oh, around that time. No, it wasn't so, okay. Yeah. No, no, definitely they, not Florida. I don't think they were really good at this point. But Florida State was. Who's the other one? Who was the other one? Ooh. 95. So 95. this is free, free BCS, free. Yeah. yeah. This is old Big this, is, this is when the AP actually gave us our national champion. Right. Well, and you remember we had the somewhat contested one the year before. Right. That, that, that's the one where, where Michigan and Nebraska had to tie, right? Like they tied. Was that that um, year? Well, 94 was the year it was Penn State and Nebraska where there was the debate about who was uh, actually the winner, and it ended up being Nebraska. But there was like, was it? you know, that's the claimed versus unclaimed national title, that whole thing, uh-huh. you know, because yeah. we didn't have anything official happening at that point. So, yeah, and this year, too, you know, we're still in that mode, although this year I think it was a little bit clearer. Although, Florida, yeah, Florida State would have been number two. So, who was number one? Was it Miami? No. No. Wasn't Miami? No, it wasn't Florida school. Well, if you said the year before is Nebraska, then I'm going to throw them out too because they were they had a run in there. Like you're right. It is okay. Yeah, because they had a run of like four or five years where they were nonstop up there. This whole thing is like from like basically the early nineties through basically until the BCS. It's like you could you could throw (laughs) Nebraska or Florida State at it, and you'd have like a pretty good shot of being right. Uh, Good old Tom Osborne. (laughs) How how confused are are, are kids listening to this right now? Because we're talking about the era before the BCS. So we're talking pre-pre-playoff. And we're talking about Nebraska being good. Yeah, there you go. That's even crazy. Nebraska was good at football? Yes, boys and girls. At a time. And they were not in the Big Ten, obviously. They're pretty even in the Big 12 at this point. Completely different conference, yeah. Um, and then we also have this weird, you know, ones where there are multiple teams claiming a national title in the same year. Uh, <laughs> so Crazy. Even though, like, we all kind of know, you know, who it should be or who the winner is, but there's a bunch of those. Um, it was very interesting. I was looking at something else when I was going back through this phase, and I was like, all right, I forgot about how we did that thing where you had to specify whether it was like a contested or confirmed national title because there were so many people out there claiming they were the national champion. Yep. <laughs> Even though it's, they didn't well, technically win it because we had no way to do it because they didn't play each other. Super smart. This um, is good. This is good to teach kids too because I know a lot of them, especially a lot of my youth kids are, you know, when we see these like the Central Floridas and all that, it's like, well, they can claim one. No. No, we've no, been no. through that crap. We we're not doing that, that anymore. <laughs> We this is also an era where weren't we playing only like sixteen bowl games? <laughs> yeah, yeah, there were definitely less bowl games. Now so. there's sixty-one bowl games, something yeah. like that. Like, <laughs> yeah. So, all right, let's move on. Um, uh, March Madness champ that year was UCLA. Um, other items of note before I start asking you guys to, to name off some more stuff. Um, good old OJ was acquitted. In 1995, so Ooh. that happened. We also had a Unabomber and Ebola, a baseball strike. Um, on the plus side, DVDs were invented, so we, we had that going wow. for us. Um, your DVDs, also eBay, which is really weird because like I didn't know about eBay in 1995. I think I learned about eBay in like 2000 or something. Yeah. So, but it did technically exist. So 
interesting stuff. All right, so let's talk about what was going on at this uh, in pop culture in 1995. So, anybody want to take a shot at the top grossing movies? We will see if I, you guys can pick out the top five. I will let you know some other notables there as well, and then we'll do a little music, and then we'll call it a day. So, who's got some movies for me that they think maybe would have been at the top of the pile in 1995? Just throw them out there. So, Irby, I think this was the year that we had the Clooney Batman. No. No? To her, no, this is earlier than that. But you are right about a Batman. So a but ba- you need to go back one. Um, I, I do know, and I'm, I'm almost certain this would be top ten, but this is the beginning of the Pixar dominance. Wasn't yes. Toy Story 1995? Toy Story. Oh, okay. Very good. That is one of the top yeah. five. All right, so there's one. The original. The Batman. The Batman, although I'm going to need you to give me the correct Batman. Which here. Batman was it then? I'm, I'm going to see. Yeah, Batman. Clooney well, if it's later. not Clooney, then it's, it's, it's Kilmer's. Yeah. It's Batman, Kilmer's. Batman Forever. Al Kilmer. Batman Forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. So those are two of them. Um, I need three more to get to the top five. What else do you got for me? Ooh. Um, hmm. 1995. So we're... This is yeah. This is in between. We're not the Lost World wouldn't have been in here because Jurassic Park would have come out the year before yeah. or '93. So we're not. We don't yeah, talk no, about that Jurassic yet. Park. Um, so who's making movies at that? Wasn't this also when we had a lot of those those Disney movies like like um, Heavyweights and Camp Nowhere? I yeah, really those aren't gonna be, of those not gonna... so I don't know what year they are, but they're certainly not in the top five. It's <laughs> in that time, though, but it's not going to make the money, because yeah. that's, yeah. Um, Jumanji? Ooh. Uh, correct, that did come out this year, but it is not anywhere in the top ten. It would have been, okay. Um, yes. Was that a late what was, okay. What? Was it a late, it would have to have been. Was it late 95, or, or did it just do better post, like, post-theater? Uh, I don't know, um, but I, I do know that that is the correct Maybe. year, but it does not write that high. It's possible okay. um, that it was released too late in the year, although um, there, there's certainly some weird stuff with a lot of these. I have a number of sort of notables that were a little bit farther down the charts that actually ended up doing pretty well but weren't out in time, so we can get into that a little bit, um, but, you know, but yeah, Jumanji did not make the list. Hmm. Okay, so just spitballing, uh, nine months was somewhere in the mid-90s. That is also that year, but also not. On not the there. Okay. That was in like... Was in I'm, I'm starting to question my taste oh, uh, of movies. <laughs> what is it? Uh, uh, Outbreak was out. You mentioned Ebola earlier. Uh, that <laughs> yeah, Outbreak comes was out later, the- I think. Oh. Or if it doesn't, it's not on this list. Um, Dang. That actually might be earlier than 95. Who's making movies? Okay, so this is the this is before the Pierce Brosnan James Bond era. Uh, it's not actually Goldeneye. Oh, Goldeneye. Okay, yeah, that's, so that's what it, that was the first top. one. <laughs> oh man, that's number that's number nine actually. So you got number nine. Um, so very good. All right, wow. let me give you guys let me let me help you guys out a little bit so we can get through this. Um, I need a Disney movie. I need a stupid sequel. Um, to a dumb comedy. Um, I need a space movie. I need a kids movie. 
I need a movie that we have talked oh. about the others. Wait, are these related? This, in this Space. series. And I need a Kevin Costner movie. All right. Space movie is going to be Apollo 13. There you go. Yep. There you go. Um, okay. Costner Coster, is going to be Waterworld, isn't it? Yep. Oh. Very good. <laughs> Very good. So okay. you guys oh. have number one, two, three, nine, and ten here. So I need you to get four mm. and five, and then I'll give you the rest. Um, okay. So give me a give me a Disney, and then give me a, a terrible sequel to a not very good original. Disney. What is Disney? Okay, so what? through there, like Mermaid, Lion King. We've been talking about all those. Who is ugh, man? Like, I'm honestly, you know, you remember those old VHSs and those oversized boxes? I'm like yeah. trying to visualize them mm-hmm. right now going down. Yeah, this is not a line. very good movie. I will put that out there. This is not Disney's best work. Okay. It's not a good film. Back to the sequel. The, I'm just, I'm just, yeah. I'm, I'm thinking bad sequels to that didn't really have a great original. Uh, Under Siege 2, potentially around <laughs> yeah, that time. No, 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 no. I said stupid comedy. Um, I don't oh. know about Under Siege 2, but Sweet no, this is sequel. like... Yeah, okay, Under Siege so 2. <laughs> this is like... I mean, okay, Bo, but okay, to be fair to Bo, that can be viewed as a stupid comedy. So I'll give <laughs> but no, this is like... Here, this should make it really obvious. Before Adam Sandler was the guy who wasn't funny, but that people insisted was so funny, who was the guy who everyone insisted was funny, who was actually... Oh, Ace Ventura. Yeah, yeah. So this yep. is an Ace Ventura oh, movie. I don't even know if this is two or three or what because I. This honestly, is what nature calls. Yeah, there that's you go. That's no. All right. So give me. I didn't even know the name. I just know you're talking Jim Carrey. Yeah, yeah. This like, is a really like, awful it's, sequel. It's, <laughs> every era has a guy who, like, a bunch of people insist is funny. Where I just shake my head. You know, the Adam Sandler phase lasted way too long. So, God. But um, before that, it was Jim Carrey. Um, so give me the give me the Disney movie and then I'll I'll give you the rest. You can <sighs> get this. It's not very good. Um, you probably don't watch it anymore. You probably don't own it. Um, Is it the the Hunchback of Notre Dame? No, before that one. Animated or not? Animated, yeah, just animated. Movie. Hey, not mm-hmm. all of them are animated. Uh, okay, so Little Mermaid, <laughs> Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin was before all this. Yeah, Lion King, Hunchback. You're not quite. Oh, Pocahontas. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Good job. Wow, that right. was a top five. I guess it was top five because of all the success of its predecessors. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And then everybody yep. went to see it and went, what happened to you people? Uh, <laughs> so, okay. So, yeah. So, Batman Forever was number one. Number two was Apollo 13. Number three, Toy Story. Four, Pocahontas. And five, Ace Ventura. And number six, Casper. Um, Whoa! Number seven. I know, right? Number seven was Die Hard 3. Um, number eight, Crimson Tide, which I went to Ooh. see because I thought it was about Alabama. <laughs> and I got into the theater and I was so confused. Uh, <laughs> you heard plenty of an F word in that one. <laughs> I thought it was a football movie. I was very <laughs> yeah. confused. Um, they do reference it at one point. but They do, <laughs> but I, you know, my little friend and I, this, this kid I did everything with, like, we fully thought we were going to watch a movie about Alabama football. We very surprised. Um, number nine was Gold Nine. Number ten, Waterworld. Some other notables, Dangerous Minds. At number eleven, oh. seven, 
at number 12, oh. and then oh. at number 18 was Dumb and Dumber, although that was a December release, um, so probably would have been higher if it was released at a different time. Bad Boys at number 23, and Clueless at number 25. Just, so. just uh, throw one out there. Do you know the title track of Dangerous Minds? Anybody? Um, it's funny you brought that up, though, because we are going to talk about that. We're going to talk about some music, music now? Segment. So let's talk some music. Bo, would you like to just, like, hit a grand slam in your first major league at bat? <laughs> give, me, give me the song. Give uh, me the song. That, that, that would be one Gangster's Paradise by Coolio. Yes, outstanding work, Bo. That is the number one song in 1995, so you have nailed it. Very good. It helps us with my good. favorite song. Stop. Stop that bat. So... <laughs> That's a bad yeah. flip. Into the dugout. I flipped the bat into the dugout. <laughs> yeah. R.I.P. Coolio, by the way. Very, very sad. Um, gone too soon yes. for Coolio. Um, all right. So let's see if you can get the top five of these two, and I will give you the top ten if you can. Um, I will give you a hint. One of these is also connected to another of the movies we talked about of these top five. So, um, And two <laughs> of them are by the same artist. So you got a friend in me? No, no, it's not. No, didn't think so. <laughs> no, no, not that one. Not Toy Story. <laughs> Wasn't that one? Uh, no, no, Randy Newman. Uh. <laughs> That's worth the chat, right? No, not even close. Um, um, all right. Well, there wouldn't have been music from Apollo thirteen. Uh, hopefully, was it a song from Pocahontas? <laughs> No, no. It's a pop song, not a kid song. Okay, good. Um, well, I've done my part. This is... <laughs> I've done my part. He got the. He already got an answer. I've, I got the top one. <laughs> he got the number one right off the bat. He and he volunteered <laughs> it before we even started the segment. Like... <laughs> I don't know. Like, like I was that weird child. That would have been at this time listening, literally Ooh. listening to the soundtrack of Crimson Tide and Apollo 13 and Randy Newman. Like, I honestly, I mean, I, oh, geez. I mean, because I, I know artists that are out there, so I, I, I'm going to close my eyes and just throw one out there, and I may be off by like six, seven years. Okay. Okay. Um, I, I don't want to go chasing any waterfalls, but yes. I remember that's a Earth, what? Oh, <laughs> that's number two. Oh, bam. Okay, now I'm out. That's that's all I can do. That's all I breathe. Okay, I'm gonna right, go no, start singing Randy Newman. I'm, a, I'm actually gonna ask you to do one more thing because <sighs> the artist of Waterfalls is also the owner of the number three spot. Do you know the song? I love that we have this silence because you know someone at home. Y'all listening right now are yelling at us. I can hear you because you're like, oh, my gosh, it's so easy. Oh, um, yeah. Some, someone is screaming this at you right now. Oh. Um, so, you know, mm. I had sort of forgotten about this song. It, it's not as, it has not had the staying power that Waterfalls has. No. I can't think of that. Can I bring my wife in here? She'd know this. Sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can, you can phone a friend. Or it's the same title as a, a Radiohead song that was popular a few years before this, if that helps. Uh, oh, man, the people at home are screaming and yelling. 
Yeah, <laughs> me. I'm screaming and yelling at you right now. Um. <laughs> oh. <laughs> While he goes, okay. Goes, go ahead. So I've been I've been given the bad stare, like I'm an idiot and should have known this. Um, that's a creep. Yes. All right. Thank hey, you. she knew. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. Good. 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 Okay. Thank you. You were smart to bring in Ringer there. Good job. Yeah. <laughs> wife has bailed you both out on something that you should know. Um. So lucky you. All right. So number four. This is the one that's from a movie. Now. Irby was listening to the Joy Story soundtrack or something, so he can't help with this. But Bo, I will give you a hint. It's from the number one movie. This is Batman. Forever. Yeah, that's what. So, uh, that's what I'm you know trying. The song. That's what I'm trying. I'm trying to figure out because that it, that's a soundtrack that had Smashing Pumpkins on it, and it had Smashing Pumpkins. It did. Good memory. It did. That's not the song I'm looking for, but yes, you are correct. It's not. It's not Gotham Same City, soundtrack. is it? Can't be gone. No, no, the R. Kelly song. Yeah, it can't oh, be good that. memory, but no, it's not that one. Oh, um, this goodness. one was really popular. Like everyone was sick of it by the time it. It's, it's probably actually this still gets played in like grocery stores. You know, the soft rock station. Um, the, yeah, the music. <laughs> yes. Yes. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> the slightly stylized version of. Um, oh no! Mid nineties no. pop tune. Uh, <laughs> Someday it'll get turned into mall wave. Uh, I um, can't. Like I, I used to actually, I actually had the soundtrack, and I, I would listen to, um, listen to it. But it's been so long, I can't think. Yeah, I believe it played during the closing credits of this movie, if I'm remembering correctly. It is it, it, slow songs, not quite right. Like you wouldn't like slow dance at the middle school dance with someone to this, <laughs> but it is you know the beats. The beats per minute, yeah, yeah, we all remember that, right? Where they did you guys have the thing where they stick the balloon in between you? Uh, I did not. I had a principal That's just me. jerk me away from the girl. Uh, right. I was at a oh, private. Okay. I was at a private school or a Catholic school, so we had to make room for the Holy Spirit. So yeah, oh. that's well. I was at a public school, and we were also told to make room for the Holy Spirit. <laughs> so good job, separation of church and state. So they come over and stick a balloon in between you and tell you to leave room for the Holy Spirit in a public school. Oh my goodness, that happened. Oh, the nineties. Um, <laughs> we survived. This would not been. This would not really have been that kind of slow jam. Um, but it is. All right. This person also is the singer of Crazy. Does that help you? Sings a song called Crazy. I can actually hear yeah. this song, but I can't think of the name of it. Okay, it's Seal, and it's called "Kiss from a Rose." God damn it! Oh, yeah. I, I do. I do hear that when I'm at a Waterburger or in. Uh huh. Oh yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. All right. So last one, and then I'll give you the rest. Um, number five. This is a band that came up already. Um, in one of our other time capsule episodes, and they are they're at the back end of their their heyday. Here, um, but they, they still had a big hit. Um, not nearly as popular as they were the last time we talked about them. Um, their their debut album was quite popular, and then things kind of started to go downhill. But they're they're still pretty big now. So, um, does anyone know who this band is or what the song is? Is this gonna be Roxette? No, um, more recent than that. Hmm. They have the number one overall song in one of the previous time capsules. Oh man! Now I'm trying to remember the time um, capsule. It's a better song than this one, uh, <laughs> in my opinion. I think in most people's opinion. Uh, 
this is a group, not an individual, it's a group. right? Yeah, it's a group. So is this like, I, I, I mean, this is the era of what, um, all for one and boys to men. There you go. It's boys there you to go. Men. Second it's one. Boys to men. Stop. It is. Yeah. And what's what song is it? What song was ninety five? Uh, it's, it's a slow song. It's a slow one. This is this is one that you would, you. Um, is, is it hard to say goodbye? Your your lady friend. No, that one's earlier. That's actually on the debut album. Um, this one's later. But this is one that you and your lady friend and the Holy Spirit would have enjoyed together. <laughs> <laughs> But why we couldn't enjoy it? You got a friend in me, not Lee. Katie Newman. <laughs> not really. <laughs> School administrators have been thrilled with you. Like, yeah. well, there's no chance they're going to do anything. Shocker here. Matthew didn't go to a lot of middle school dances. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, lived for middle school dances. And you guys would not believe. I wish I had pictures of the things that I wore to these that I thought looked good. Like, there was one where I wore navy blue umbros and a red and white striped, like, long sleeve rugby shirts. I was also wearing nylons, like, not tights, nylons, under the umbros, because it was February, and K-Swiss sneakers and slouch socks. I can see that. I mean, it was like, when I think back on it, I'm like, why was I not ostracized? But that's, like, basically what everyone was wearing. It's horrifying. Um, this is not a good face. <laughs> the real the real question is what color was your trapper keeper? That's the real question. That year? Hmm, I don't know. I got a new one every year. And I think the one I had that year was teal with a purple border, if I'm remembering correctly. <laughs> nice. I don't know. But Okay. You know. <laughs> no, maybe that was after maybe that was post actually, you know what? I think we're past the trapper keeper era time now. I think the trapper keeper's gone before this. If I'm remembering correctly. I think I blocked that out because so, I was so sad. I love it. It is sad. Keeper. It is sad. Why don't those come back? I mean, so many terrible things have come back. Why don't we bring back trapper keepers? Bring that back. It was a good chance. <laughs> that and those pencils that smelled like fake fruit. I liked those too. <laughs> remember those? I do actually. I remember those. I like those. School supplies just aren't that great anymore. We, li we lived through as children the peak of the good, like, ridiculous school supply. Like, they're just not nearly as creative with these things. I'm so disappointed. Mm -hmm. <sighs> All right, guys. I'm cutting you off. Okay. On yeah. bended I knees. will... Okay, good. I was going to say, like, oh. this is the time area of I'll make love to you, and I was a little worried when you're like, you and your lady friend in a middle school, I'm like, what are y'all... No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. This is like the PG. You also don't want anyone thinking they're going to propose to someone in middle school, but I yeah. also don't think you call their parents if they sing on bended knees. Bended knee, knee, you yeah. just go, oh, you still can't be, you're not getting married. You won't even be friends in high school. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, all right, let me give you the rest of the top ten, and then we will call it a day. So at number six, a song that's popularity has always baffled me, Another Night by Real McCoy. You know, early techno, techno's <laughs> older brother. I don't wow. know. Terrible song. Wow. Uh, number seven, Fantasy by Mariah Carey. Ah, yeah. Uh, number Makes eight, take Madonna, Take a Bow. Uh, yeah. Number nine, Just One of Them Days by Monica. Also a really bad song. Why do people like that song? Yikes. Um, and then at number 10, the song that showed up in every sports hype video for the next five years. This is How We Do It by Montel Jordan. There it is. <laughs> there it is. Yeah. Uh. And there you have it. 1995. Um, 
interesting year. Yeah, that was. Uh, Randy, Randy Newman was not in the top ten. So Randy, Randy Newman did not make the top ten. <laughs> I, I don't know that Randy Newman made the top 20, but I will look into this for you. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm actually so, worried how low it is. I think that might have just been you, but I will double check. Uh, it doesn't mean I couldn't have got it to the top 20. <laughs> I, yeah, see, if it was like the way it is now, where they know how many times you listen because you stream, you probably could have done that. I mean, back then, once you had bought the CD, they, they didn't know what you were doing with it. Now you would be shamed by your Spotify raps, where it would be like, in the year 1995, Matthew Irving, you've got a friend in me. 793 times. Uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, it's so good. We didn't have Spotify reps when we were too young to realize yeah. what would happen to you with Spotify reps. Uh, <laughs> all right, but well done, everyone. Good job. You, you guys you guys nailed it. You did a good job. You got all the sports stuff pretty quickly. And, and Bo, you, you were uh, all over the music tonight. So well yeah. done. Good job, guys. That's fun. Very good work. <laughs> I know 80s music even more than the 90s music, though, so that's going to be even more fun when we get some of those. Yeah, yeah. see, that's what I was saying away from the fact that, like, he's, like, you know, the 90s music, I feel like, I don't know. I think you know some of it. I don't know that you know all of it. The 80s music is a little bit more like, okay, well, especially when we're in the hair band payday, he's going to know what all of them are. So <laughs> you have to have all to give everybody them. else a chance to catch up. Um, he's our hairband expert. So <laughs> the 90s is a little different. I actually thought Irby was going to do better than you, and then I realized that Irby wasn't actually listening to normal music. Nope. <laughs> I got one. <laughs> you did, well, that's true. Okay, you know what? We will. You're right. You're right. You did get one. You got the number yeah. two one, and you got it without hints. So, mm -hmm. um, well done. All right. We Blind squirrel eventually finds a nut. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. That's going to do it for us. We're out of here. Until next week, I, I, I'm hoping that players on USC and TCU are listening because it's very important that you guys don't mess anything up. Right now, we have Ohio State and Alabama out of the playoff. Let's keep it that way. Until next week, lots of football is good for you. <laughs>